0: My name is Krissa, and welcome to the All About You podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the All About You podcast. I am so excited because I have one of my favorite human beings here with me, visiting And we are just about to record something amazing. I know it's gonna be something impactful, something that's gonna change people's lives, and I'm just so excited to get started. So, I have my friend Monique here. Monique, you're more than welcome to introduce yourself.
1: Thank you so much, Christina. So happy to be here in Houston, of all places. It's really nice to be able to get out here safely. Uh, so my name is Monique. I'm, I'll uh, say in my in my mid thirties. <laughs> <laughs> I'm originally from Southern California, and I still live in Los Angeles. But uh, you know, God has given me a lot of favor in my career, and so it's awarded me some really incredible opportunities to travel uh, under normal circumstances um, all over the country. I work for uh, an incredible nonprofit that helps uh, Latino engineering students. Find opportunities in uh, corporate America, and we also ensure that we have opportunities for them to graduate, financial assistance, and mentorship, etc. So it really is an incredibly fulfilling uh, job. And then in my spare time, I love to be creative and everything that encompasses that. Um, Lately, being home has allowed me a lot more opportunities to explore those sides of me, um, and I'm just really happy. To be here and share uh, my story. Um, this is the first time I'll be publicly sharing, and for many of the people even closest to me, it might be the first time that they're even hearing it.
0: Yeah. So I mean, I'm just grateful that you're even here in Houston visiting. That's the best. It's the highlight of my year, definitely, and the way it's the best way to kick um, to end it, I should say. Um, so my next question for you, or my first question is were you a believer or a follower of Jesus just you know before this time of your life that you're going to share or at the time?
1: Yeah so absolutely. Um, I was 12 years old uh, when I was first baptized. Well I was actually like six months when I was first baptized (laughs) Uh, and then Catholic. Yes. (laughs) uh, And then at about eight years old, my mom and my stepdad uh, came to know Christ. And then about four years later, when I was 12, I made uh, my own personal decision to be baptized. And thankfully I don't ever recall experiencing a time when I didn't feel a connection to the Lord. I know that sometimes in our adolescence or in our college years, it's easy to, uh, find other distractions and perhaps uh, waver from the path of, um, you know, uh, I don't even want to say the least resistance because sometimes the path with God is the one with more resistance. It's sometimes yeah. harder to stay um, on that path. But thankfully, I've always felt uh, my mother's prayer and her protection um, and the connection with God has just been second nature uh, yeah. since I very first experienced it. So it's been something that's been with me and a part of me, again, since, since I was eight years old.
0: I love it. Well, I'm also grateful for your journey because if not, we wouldn't be here together because yes. <laughs> that's how we met. We actually met at our previous church, well, when I used to live in California, and that was literally how we kicked it off. I, I totally remember the day where we were in a young adults-like area, and we were starting small groups and Pastor Kevin was like, hey, you know, you guys got to team up with people to start a group or find someone if they're going to start the same group as you. And I remember just sitting next to you and I was like, do you have an ID? And you're like, no. I was like, okay. <laughs> and then... <laughs> I just was like, well, I'm Christina. I was like, what's your name? (laughs) And then that was it. We started a game night group, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And um, (laughs) interestingly enough, I think about that night often because every time I look for you in my phone you're still Christina with an H um, yeah, and it's Christina Faith, <laughs> which is how I put it in there that night. Christina. And I have never changed it, oh, um, but I'm always like C R and then I don't find you. And I'm like, Oh, that's right. And so it's I think Christina about that, that night that often. Mind. And of course, our dear mutual friend, Sarah, who was instrumental in, um, I think really creating opportunities for us to, to do good things there. And yeah. of course, Pastor Kevin. So I think it was an incredible time in our life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, As we talk about uh, my journey, it's interesting to see that that season that was so uh, fulfilling, inspiring, and full of God's love, protection, and our ability to bring others to the Lord was the exact same season in which uh, we'll discuss today. There was also so much pain and suffering. And so um, reconciling those two, worlds all at the same time uh is quite a journey.
0: Yeah, and I mean even me like thinking about it right now I was like this was like while you were going through this and I had no none of us had no idea. So um I guess jumping into that uh the next question is tell us a bit about this season that you want to help bring shine light into.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's hard to put a whole decade of life into into a season. Um, But I'll say that towards um, the end of my 20s, early 30s, so I'm 36 now, um, so I got married um, when I was about 24 years old. And it was someone who didn't know Christ when we originally met, um, but through time with my family, time at church... I really built uh, you know what I believed and was a genuine relationship with with God on his own and we became engaged and then married shortly after um, and we got married in 2010 and the season that I'd love to spend some time sharing today really is you know 2014, 15 to about 2017 and um, interestingly enough as we mentioned earlier, a lot of that same time, when I started serving in church, being more active, um, both of us, actually. And I don't think there's an easy way to really jump into sharing your story when it includes difficult times or sections of it. Um, But I guess I'll just start with some highlights. Yeah. Um, So, you know, the first time that I experienced something that felt off, um, and allowed me to question like, is this love or is this what love looks like was, uh, two nights before uh, our wedding, actually, we got married on a Sunday. And so two nights before there was behavior that was erratic and out of the norm. And at that point I thought, um, you know, I excused it. There was alcohol involved on their part and, I was in so much shock and we had all of our family coming. We had planned an ex- <laughs> a wedding like beyond anyone's imagination. An exaggerated amount of money had been spent. I mean, it was quite an elaborate feat that we had planned and there just felt so much pressure on me to do anything about it. And so I prayed, uh, which was, you know, always the right thing to do. And I just hoped that it was a one-time occurrence and you're so wrapped up in so many emotions that... just kind of set it aside Mm -hmm. um and
0: also love i think helps you set it aside like you absolutely
1: you love someone and in a time when you feel when i you know when i met him i i definitely was looking for love Um, but more importantly a home so i had felt um sort of like a nomad uh for many years and although I have, uh, what I'll say, three loving, incredible parents, my father, my mother, and my stepdad. Um, I've never lacked anything um, in my life, and so no fault of theirs in, in how I felt, but there was this longing sensation of, of building this home, having a family, having children, and here was someone who seemingly was able to, to provide that, that wanted the same things, and... I was a very, uh, shy, um, insecure, uh, had low self-esteem. I, I, I faked it a lot to, to try to, um, you know, fit in. I didn't feel like I had close, uh, female friendships, like a girl gang or that sort of thing that, Mm -hmm. you know, gets played on. There's a lot of things at play, uh, when I met someone that, although, at first glance wasn't necessarily maybe the type of guy that girl would say like, Oh my God, like he's so handsome, was very charming. And beyond the charm was really this personality where, um, he would be magnetic and, and have this energy that people were attracted to. And yet he, he wanted me. And so it was a very interesting dynamic, um, from the beginning And I don't want to downplay at all, like, our our love for each other and the fact that I I was in love with him. And we hadn't talked about getting married when he proposed, and so it was a surprise, but, you know, it was was perfect and it was gorgeous and everything felt so romantic and so right that um, you fall into it. You fall into this world. And here I was so close, the first of any of my friends to – Get to that point in life, and it was very exciting. Um, And knowing that he had come to know the Lord and his experience with um, Jesus, and we we were going to church, it just felt like, okay, this is all going down this right path. Like you, you grow up in church thinking like, you know, God's gonna bring you your person. And so I thought, well, how lucky am I that this has happened? Um, But it was pretty tumultuous. I think when there's a lot of passion and chemistry and like excitement, you, you, you love hard, but then, you know, you fight hard, I think in some cases as well. Um, and so I got really wrapped up in things. And again, that first incident that happened, um, you know, it's, it took me by surprise. Um, I, I excused it and, I mean, I, I suppose, are, are, are we going into details? Like, what are we... <laughs> <laughs>
0: you share as much as you as much? would like okay. to
1: share. It's, so... It's your story. It's my story. It's interesting. I haven't had a platform to, to tell it um, in some time. And, and obviously, you know, I'd say he's not here, you know, to tell his part. So this is my truth. And my truth is I... As I lived it. And nobody can take that away from me. But... Um... I will say that I made a lot of excuses and I became a really good liar. And when I look back at everything that I covered up and everything that I hid, I feel embarrassed to the point where I think that there's things that even my closest family, my parents, my cousins, like my siblings don't even know about what happened to me because I'm smart and I'm intelligent and I went to college and I have a good job and I have all of these worldly things that would make me the perfect candidate to make really wise choices mm-hmm. and to be this independent woman that like how dare she let a man treat her like this or, or put herself in these situations. And I think as we go through the journey and I share a little bit more, you start to understand like I I felt like I could save him. Like between Jesus and, and Monique, like we were the power team and we yeah. were going to, <laughs> we were gonna save this man. And realizing, you know, he had to want to save himself. And so when I think back on on that wedding day, we got married on a Sunday, March 14th of 2010. I was on so many, like, Vicodin and painkillers that I don't remember most of the day. I was in so much pain. I had been... um, He had... I had gone to the hospital (laughs) by myself, mind you. He hadn't gone with me. Um, And I had told my parents that I had slipped and I was wearing heels and I had slipped and and fell when in reality um, he had pushed me and he had pushed me against the wall, uh, tripped me on the floor, and then also um, against the... um, table, the living room table, um, coffee table in the living room. And it's interesting because throughout the years he'll love, um, making sure that I come into contact with coffee tables, but I was bruised up, uh, pretty badly. He had also excessively punched me, um, on my arm until the point that I was completely purple. Um, I don't even know if anyone believed me or they were too scared to ask the tough questions Because my father actually ended up meeting me at the hospital um, because I was in so much pain that I I didn't know how I was going to be able to walk or to move. Um, And yet I I continued to reach out to him to say, like, I'm here. Like, don't you care? Aren't you going to come check on me? And he didn't, of course. Um, But I still showed up that day and I told everyone that I had... Um, just slipped. And that was the beginning of many, many lies throughout the years. And when I look back on those photos and my makeup artist covering all of these bruises on my arms, because obviously, you know, strapless dress, you see them um, in many of the pictures It still peeks through. I, I don't recognize that girl. I don't recognize that liar, um, That that faker, that actress. I don't know who she is or or how she would ever allow those things to happen to her. But um, after that, you know, we we went on our honeymoon and we came back and we started our life together. And for whatever reason, incidents didn't happen for some time. So I I almost psyched myself into saying, wow, um, so aren't you happy that you still married him? Because imagine, like, if you would have not shown up that day and you'd be missing out on this life because he made one mistake one night. And so you still make excuses. You still, um, try to justify the behavior and it was good for, um, you know, a a year, two years. It's, It's hard to remember when it started up again. Um, but it did and it built itself up. Um, it was erratic things. Um, some incidences that come to mind is, you know, being locked out of my house, like being thrown out the front door and the locks without keys and the locks being shut down or shut off or closed and not being able to, and the lights shut off and not being able to, to get back in on a, you know, on a cold evening and just sitting on my front porch without a phone and for hours and until he decided that I was allowed back in, um, being in a vehicle with him was always a live, live or die situation. I remember multiple times that he would either speed up erratically on the freeway or just suddenly stop and hit the brakes. And it was always something I said that triggered him. It was always one of my comments or something he didn't like um, that would just set him off. And, you know, in, in the car, he would put not only us, but other you know strangers in danger as well. I remember, um, I've always loved to travel. We went to San Diego and he locked me out of our hotel room, um, in like a nightgown and I was sitting in front of the door, um, lots people walked by and it was so humiliating and embarrassing and he was just going to teach me a lesson, um, often because I didn't do what he wanted or he was upset that I didn't agree with him, um, or that I had a different opinion, You know, when we think about these types of situations, we often assume, perhaps through media, culture, you know, um, portrayals that we see acted out that, um, you know, it's, oh, he's jealous because, you know, she met an old boyfriend for lunch and then, you know, he takes it out on her or she wore a skimpy top or, you know, all these things that like, quote unquote, she was asking for it. And oftentimes, it's the most trivial of household occurrences, um, disagreements, um, decisions that are made that lead to someone taking action in a certain way. And what I won't be able to do as I share my experience is to answer the question why, right? We're not here to talk about his family or his upbringing or his situation and the things that he may or may not have told me affected him that we could try to rationalize Mm -hmm. were the reasons that someone would decide to take such actions. But, you know, there was a lot of hurt. Um, There was a lot of hurt, but I definitely believed that um, God was in it and that God was healing and that God was going to ensure that we got through this. Um
0: yeah. Well, I mean, I know you guys are married for how many years?
1: Uh almost 7.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, throughout this time like, you know, what you were going through, it looking and listening in, I'm sure it's it's easy for everyone to just say you should have just left him like day one. It's so easy for everyone's opinion, you know, Mm -hmm. to come in. And, but at the same time, like you're saying, you didn't share this with anybody. Mm -hmm. So it took time where you actually felt courage enough to share this with people and like what you're doing now. Um, but you, you know, you had your faith in God, but did you ever feel abandoned by him? Because, you know, it's so simple for you and me to naturally just Be like, hey, God's got this. He's going to do it. Um, But I mean, there's also times like, you know, like in your situation where it's like, we just, God is mighty. Like, why doesn't he just come out of the heavens and literally make something happen because I need help, you know? (laughs) And it's like, we want those moments where he literally does do the supernatural and, you know, just to, just to prove to us how strong he is. But at that time, did you ever feel abandoned? You know, it's a
1: really, I think, poignant question to ask someone in this situation. And thankfully, n- no. I think I had the the opposite of abandonment where I held so strong to this idea of restoration and that God, our God is a, a God that breathes life into dry bones. And yeah. really, my faith was so strong. My belief in... Um, the in the lord being able to 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 change this person from the inside out was so strong that I stayed and and also um my belief in myself that I was so strong and that god had chosen me in some erratic way to be the one to be in this journey with him because I was strong because someone else couldn't have handled it the way I did someone else couldn't have um, Try to talk to him the way I did, and the interesting thing about it all is that throughout the years, I would say about four years into it is really when things um, I think were at their at their worst before getting better and then getting to the point where it finally ended. Um, but it it went, I went through very humiliating periods that I I did keep everything quiet uh, to the point where he had an affair. And had left to be with another woman, and I took him back Um, because during that time he had, as we say, you know, had a come to Jesus moment. And um, I believed in his genuine pursuit to want to keep us together and to do the right thing. And so, through a lot of counseling and therapies, um, both individual and joint, um, I made the decision to try to restore our marriage. And then years four and five were pretty decent. We renewed our vows at, at year five. And I thought, finally, um, finally, like this has a, is going to be resolved. Like this has an end. Like, thank you, Lord. Like, I'm so happy that I never lost my faith and and in all of these years I I cared so much about what people thought about us that I I never told a soul Mm -hmm. um so even when he cheated and he left and all of those things happened it still was oh we're working on our marriage because of the affair and none of the other parts of it um had come into the picture yeah um, there was one pastor at our church that we had both um, my ex and myself admitted to that there had been some pushing around right like oh he pushed me in the kitchen one day but it was so much more than that and and he did make me promise that if he ever touched me again that I would leave and of course I, I broke that promise because I just pretended like it never happened I didn't over the years, you, you're you manipulated into believing that you, you aren't a whole person without this individual because the abuse is so much more than physical as it starts to become um, financial and emotional. And in so many other ways, I didn't know who I was or what I was capable of. And you start to hear things on a daily basis. Um, he had attempted to turn my brothers against me. I mean, even, you know, in our friendship, as an example, it was, oh, um, you know, you don't have any real friends. They just like you because you, you know, throw them nice parties and you do things for them. Like, nobody likes you just for being you. You have to buy everybody's love. It was very manipulative, the way that I was constantly being... Um, talked to and I wasn't strong enough in myself I didn't know who I was in the Lord like I believed in God so much and in what God could do in his life was my entire focus that I never took the time to know see what God could do in my life as an individual so when I was told you know we're in this house because of me where you drive that nice car because of me you know I bought you this I bought you that like where are you gonna go without me what are you gonna have without me I used to ask myself like, "What am I gonna have without him? Where am I gonna go? Like, what am I gonna do?" Kind of thing. Um, and then I'd say that once we started serving in church, and in, um, in those last two years of our of our relationship together, that's when I blossomed the most as an individual. When I found the most strength. When I built honest friendships with women, um, who cared, who loved, who were genuine, who were, you know, beautiful inside and out and was able to start to find my voice, um, was during the same time that things got absolutely, um, unlovable at home and what had, um, escalated to a very, very dangerous situation and, It's really difficult, um, to not disassociate what happened and some of those moments, um, because they're so scary. Um, and especially I think, you know, for yourself and others who have been around, who knew him slash know him, who lived in our home or not physically lived, but lived around us, came over, experienced us, um he was really great at making it seem like I was his whole world. Um, yeah. and that he was so proud of me and he was so in love with me and that, you know, I was beautiful and intelligent and smart and all of these things. And I was getting the strength to start standing up for myself, but I only knew how to do that in public because I was fully aware of how important our personas, our facade was not just to me, but to him, and the role that he played in that. And so I knew that publicly, he would never cross the line. So that's when I was able to quote-unquote put him in his place. Which made it a very interesting point when the time did come for me to go to some of our closest friends and start telling them about the secret life that we lived behind closed doors because sometimes they had the audacity to say, well, you have such a strong personality. It must have been hard for him to live with that.
0: And I... I yeah. That's something, I mean, I never knew. And I I mean, I do remember always hanging out with you guys. Like I was always... Not, I never felt like a third wheel, but yeah. I was always there. And, you know, I remember just thinking like, I want a marriage like theirs. Like you guys you know, just portrayed your marriage in such a way that I, w- I wanted it and, um, not to, you know, like the way, basically like, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but when you came to me one day, like after an encounter between him, um, I think we took pictures or something. Right? Yeah. So we interestingly enough,
1: that was in April of 2017 yeah. and it was the... It was the last time that he ever laid his hands on me, and it was the first time, and you were the first person that had ever seen me that had ever that I had ever actually opened my mouth and said yeah. the words like he did this to me.
0: And when you did that, I I mean, looking back at it now, I feel like that was like your moment where you're like, "This is real life." Like I just came out with the truth. Uh, it's time to do something like I felt like it was an awakening for you I mean but I didn't realize that in the moment I was just like in disbelief I remember yeah but also I mean I've never told you that after that like oddly enough you know I've had other friends come up to me and tell me stuff too like when when they've been hurt and I've had to take pictures of them So being on the friend end, it's always like, I'm just like, what is happening? Like, I don't even know how to help, you know, because my first thought is, do I call the cops for them? Like, Mm -hmm. do, what do I do? So I guess my question, my next question is to you, um, basically for someone who's in a situation that I'm in, how can we help? Like, what is a way for us to help someone who's going through this?
1: Yeah, well, thank you, first of all. So much for being there for me because you you always have this place of of saving me, in um, the simple fact that you created a friendship that gave me a space to feel like I could be fully honest. Finally, for the first time in my life, not to say I don't have other wonderful, incredible friends who had always been there for me, but there was something about it, our, our connection, and I think all of the time that you did spend with us, you know. Um, it
0: made a way, I think, for you yeah, to feel
1: yeah. comfortable. Um, because eventually I started thinking it we're, we're, we're hurting people. Like we're hurting people that we're lying to. Like we're hurting people that are close to us and have no idea what's actually happening here. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I first would like to say that it is a very um, fragile situation. And when you are a friend and you, you hear these things, it's important to, to ask the questions, but also to take the time to think about, um, anything before taking any actions, whether they're actions that are meant well to defend or to protect, um, because oftentimes, uh, women, and I'm not the expert, but, you know, with all of the education that I've gone through since then, um, They feel safer staying in a violent situation than leaving because the risk of leaving is so great. And we don't often know what someone is capable of doing at that point. And so I know that that night must have been not only incredibly frightening for you um, to not know what was going to happen, but also um, I'm sure very confusing to when I said, we're not calling the police. Yeah. Um, and you would saw physical injuries on me in multiple places. And that was also, you know, they talk about moments in your life that change you. And of all of the encounters we had had, all of the broken furniture, walls, scissors thrown into things like they miss my head. So they go into the walls I mean, throwing my dogs around just awful things that had happened. It was that night. Um, he put his hands on my neck and he had all of his weight on me and he's a very large individual, um, and told me, you don't deserve to live. You don't add anything to this world. Nobody would miss you. Um, you see it on movies, like how... Easily a life is taken in a movie and you think like, wow, how heartless, but you believe that it's scripted and that in real life it can't happen that way until somebody that you trusted with your life is looking at you and their eyes have turned like to the back of their head and they're not anybody that you recognize and they tell you that and they mean it. Um, it's, it's incredibly frightening and I am so, so grateful. You know, I, I, played dead. I played dead, um, till I was let go and then I was able to, to finally escape, um, get in my car, call you, et cetera, which was again, one of the most difficult things I've done, but then to not call the police, um, because I feared that I would call, they would come, they would let him go. And then he really would kill me. Yeah. And I think that as to answer your question, those are some of the things that have to be considered when we think about um, what do we do and how do we help. And so the next months consisted of very strategic moves. And it took... From February or from April, when that happened, um, until November, for things to finally hit a place where I was going to be able to be on my own physically in the home, and that th- this individual was going to leave willingly. Um, and, and that's maybe for a different podcast, but there's so many things that have to be in place. And so um, I think. A lot of prayer and a lot of understanding, but I think the greatest thing that you can do is never shame someone for staying and never asking questions like, why didn't you get out sooner and why didn't you tell anybody? And it's like, if I knew why I didn't tell you before, like I would have told you before. Like if I could have reconciled in my head how to get these words out, um, There's a lot of things that I'm grateful for, um, you know, obviously to God, but I think one of the biggest things is giving me the discernment to be able to make the decisions that were right for me during that time, which allowed me to escape in a way that I held on to as much dignity as I could given, you know, the entirety of the situation, but most of all, my safety. Yeah. And not everybody gets as lucky. And so I, I understand that fully um, to, you know, have hundreds of physically violent interactions over, you know, nearly a decade of us being together, seven years of those married. Um, and what it finally came down to um, was him setting his eyes on someone else. Yeah. And that... Was really my escape because as soon you know people with these types of personalities can be very addictive and obsessive and while it's not an addiction in the substance abuse you find a lot of similarities between alcoholics drug addicts and abusers um, and narcissistic tendencies and again I'm not a psychiatrist or here to psychoanalyze someone I do know that my ex was in inpatient therapy outpatient therapy Um, individual counseling, psychiatric evaluations, um, you know, holds for suicidal tendencies. I mean, he did everything to get help. He did everything to want to be better. So when we come back to the faith question, how do I, as a believer, turn my back on my husband, who I promised to be with through sickness and in health, when I can see him physically trying to get the help he needs Mm. um anger management classes together and separate um you know medications whether for depression or anxiety or antipsychotic or whatever it took you know um whatever it took he was willing to do it to save our marriage but the behaviors didn't change
0: I think that's a very valid question like you know on your end especially um one thing that I definitely knew like in terms of how to help you was really just to be there and listen like as much as I wanted to do something it was more like I had to wait for you to tell me if you needed me to do something versus me just trying to intervene but um you know I guess coming to a close I just wanted to see you know I asked this question for everyone that shares. Any sort of part of their story or a dark season where, um, of something that they went through. But how would you speak life into someone else's situation that is, you know, whether this is happening in their current marriage or another relationship or just outside of marriage altogether? Like, what is something that you would like to tell them?
1: Having a relationship with the Lord. I think is critical in being able to ground yourself at all times, um, and my advice to someone in a similar situation would be to come up with a plan. I th- I think we don't want to just act again because for me to say like get out is is such a simple phrase, but there are so many complications, and again we we see it when people try. Um, to escape and there isn't a plan in place Um, so I know how hard it is to believe that you can never make it on your own Um, I think for me personally you know I I went to you I went to a trusted source um, at our church a different pastor than one who had originally met with us and I told him the situation of what was happening and how it was so difficult for me to reconcile that the same man who would worship the Lord with so much enthusiasm was using those same hands he would raise up high to then try to take my life with them on multiple occasions. And I think our faith is such a beautiful thing in the sense that it allows us to hold on. And we hear from our very well-intended pastors, if you know, if you would have just God's telling you, like if you would have just prayed one more day, if you would have just waited one more day, your miracle was coming. Your miracle was coming. And I think that that's such an honest sentiment that means well from so many different places. But when you have a faith that you know can move mountains, and you hear something like that. For me, it crippled me to stay because my experience was I was waiting for my miracle and my miracle was going to come. And I think in churches, it's really critical and important that we open ourselves up to having the very difficult situations because my story is not unique. And we've seen it with the Me Too movement. We've seen it with so many things that have happened where men, um, both in and out of power, you know, abuse those, um, opportunities that they have or see them as opportunities and then abuse those situations. And when we go back to, to one of your questions, or just like, what do you say or, or what do you do? It's, well, you don't say, I can't believe it. Because when you say I can't believe it, it means not that person, not that individual, but who they are on the outside and who they are you know, to, to you could be very different. And to minimize someone's reality of, of, you know, who they are for, for me, I think that was the most difficult thing for someone to, and many people to tell me, but.
0: But you guys are so
1: happy. You guys are so happy. Like, I can't believe it. Like, he's so like jolly. He's so sensitive. He's so emotional. He's all of these things. How could he be a monster? And so going back to to faith, um, not our church, but like faith, the faith that we have and that we carry as Christians. Um, First of all, I'll say that it's not just women. Um, It's there are men who suffer as well. And it's not just Christians. Um, I would say for me, I thank the Lord for one particular pastor who told me that me holding on to this marriage because I felt that God was going to be so disappointed in me for getting a divorce, um, was allowing me to stay in a situation. He said, take your pick of the D words. You're so scared of one D word, and that's divorce. That you're not realizing that if you stay, your only other option of a D word is death. So do you, would you rather say that you're divorced or would you rather be dead? Wow. And it was at that moment that I knew that a decision had to be made. Um, And then, you know, for another time are the stories of finally going to the police, not being believed and then being believed and, and everything, all of the other complications that come with it. Um, when you feel like the system has failed you, but having that grounding in the Lord is so critical. And I am very grateful that throughout the situation and even not getting, you know what up until this point, I've always said, even not getting my miracle never wavered my faith, but I think I did get my miracle. And I, and I think the way that I get to live my life and the way that I get to love and the way that I get to experience so many incredible things in my life, like, I think that is my miracle.
0: Yeah. And I mean, even listening to you, I'm literally thinking, I was like, little does she know her miracle was, was you, your miracle was your strength <laughs> to, to like in God, you know, like the, the only the strength that God can provide. But I think that that's also the hard part is because we think a miracle is going to be something else when we you know, in reality, it could very well be within us and it very well was within you. Um, and it, you know, it's terrible to hear how it took a while for yeah. that miracle to come to and flourish. Um, but at the same time, like, I, you know, this is a very real thing. And it's, it's even more real for me because, you know, this is stuff that you can see on movies. And it's when it happens to someone that you love and you care for, it's just a different type of reality and awakening. That, you know, you just don't want it to happen to anyone else in the world. And sadly enough, like, it still is happening to someone for all we know. Um, And basically, I just, you know, I just admire you, your strength literally for your boldness, you know, just being able to step out and share this with me and just people through this podcast and just agreeing to do this first and foremost, because I'll admit that I have reached out to people and I'm like, do you want to do this? And some people are a little hesitant. So, you know, just the fact that you felt in your heart that the need to share this because of how it could change someone else's life, I truly just admire and you as an entire and like all of your entirety um you're just an incredible person inside and out and you know you're the same person today to me like that you were then you're just you're 20 million times better but it's like I loved you then and I still love you today and it you know what you went through like it didn't change you is what I'm trying to say I don't want you to say like think that like Mm -hmm. you know you anything (laughs) less but it didn't change your personality like you're so happy and bubbly and you know you just get along with everybody and you're beautiful and it's just all of you I'm I'm very much grateful for and thankful for this friendship in itself so first and foremost I just need to say thank you for sharing this thank you and agreeing to it because I know it's nerve-wracking and um, it's just definitely getting you out of your norm yeah. to do this nerve,
1: nerve wracking. Well, thank you so much for all those incredible things that you said about me. I feel very similar about you, Christina. Um, I don't recognize that young girl when I see pictures, when I look at videos and, and, um, you know, Facebook loves to remind you of uh, everything that happened five, yeah. seven, ten years ago. <laughs> um, when I share my story with certain people, um, especially you know trying to like date again and meet you know men and, and figure out what's next in my life um, I, I hear the response sometimes and you don't tell everybody the first date or anything but eventually after you've built a relationship you start to let them know about your past experiences and you leave some details out but all the ones that are important <laughs> and I've I've heard that sentiment like, but you're not bitter, but, <laughs> or, <laughs> you know, like, wow, like, you still believe in love, you still think this, like, Taylor Swift fairy tale exists, it's and... It's beautiful,
0: though, like, literally, just, that that didn't leave you, because it so easily could have, and you chose for it to not let that yeah. leave with him, essentially, yeah. like, you don't, he didn't rob you of that, is Absolutely. what I'm trying to say. No,
1: because that joy comes from the Lord, oh. and you and I were having a discussion about like, why, why would God put these feelings of wanting love and and a family and a a husband and relationship in your heart? Like if it's not going to be one day, something that, that comes to, um, to fruition. And so it is, it is incredible to see the Lord move and wake uh, sorry, and, uh, move and awaken things in my heart that I didn't even know were there. And, you know, what a beautiful experience it is to be able to, um, know forgiveness and know love and know even all of the pain, but to be able to then continue to have, you know, all of the emotions and for God to be able to move within, you know, all of the storms. Um, and so just One thing that I I hope, um, especially anybody who works with with trauma or um, with, we'll say, survivors and and, and not necessarily victims, um, it really is to remember the asterisk. So when we we talk about our faith in such absolute terms about the Lord will, the Lord does, the Lord can, um, to take the time once in a while to say, but... But if you're not safe, but if your children are in danger, but if tomorrow could be your last breath because of what someone else's actions are, then you need to make moves. Um, And I think that sometimes that's overlooked. And if I had one message to people, it's to remember that your words are powerful. And I, as much as anyone, do believe in a Lord that (laughs) moves mountains and breathes that air into dry bones. Um, But I focused a lot on, again, on on the change and the restoration and the miracle and not enough on on my own safety and getting out.
0: Yeah, and you know, I mean, when I had asked you that question of, of your advice and how you said, make a plan, like that in itself, I was just, like, amazed, like, yes, like, that. that's honestly, like, I I wouldn't even know how to respond to that, but to make a plan, like, that's amazing, so, um, I know that this podcast episode is going to change someone's life, because it doesn't matter how many people's lives it impacts, I, you know, as long as it impacts one person, like, that's what it's created for, um, so, just to wrap it all up. I love, I love you, grateful for you, <laughs> and basically, um, I'm just so excited because, you know, whoever's listening to this, like, I'd share this with somebody, like, whether they've gone through this or not, like, I just think it's something that is literally going to bring an awakening spirit to where, you know, this is this is a real thing, yeah. um, but other than that, thanks Thank for you. taking the time and Absolutely. we have a plane to catch yeah. so <laughs>
1: there is love there is hope and there there is a god who who is there and alive and going to you know the miracle right it's, yeah it's not what we think it is sometimes but it's there
0: it is but all everyone until next time thank you again mo love you